So, you've got an idea for a business. The store of your dreams. There's just one thing to figure out. Everything. That's why Shopify's all-in-one commerce platform makes it easy to sell online, in person, and everywhere else. Sell on social media. Source products with an app to get that first sale feeling. It's the only solution that gives you everything you need to sell everywhere you want. So when you're ready to bring your idea to life, power it up with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash listen. Put on my, uh, there's my, uh, um, I had the camera for a minute. I'll have it again. There we there go. There we are. Okay, we have got a great guest to uh He's got a great hair. I mean, I wish He's I had got that fantastic hair. hair, I will have to say. I I I will have to say uh I mean, look at that. No hair here, but look at that. Doctor, you, you you've got a great head of hair there. <laughs> thank you <laughs> so yeah. so so doctor give us a little bit on your background my friend and then me and don will ask you some questions here okay yeah i'm uh, president of iran alive ministries i was born in iran as a muslim came to us to get a phd in ai i have a phd in ai then i got saved and started church planting and got into satellite broadcasting into Iran uh, 20 years ago. So God has used us to bring, uh, right now we have 90-some thousand names that have come to Christ to us, but many more. And underground church planting. So our strength is using media to get over the heads of the mullahs into people's homes and share the gospel and plant churches. That's awesome. That's awesome. I wish IQ Rizzoli was with us today because IQ would eat this up. Um, Don, uh, I know you probably got some questions. Start us off here, my friend. Okay, but first I got it's about time somebody used the media for something besides uh, blather. <laughs> uh, anyway, uh, let's back up a little bit. I'd like to know what brought you to this point. What what were the things that impelled your look? You, uh, to in effect, uh, dedicate yourself like you are. Well, I was, I wanted, uh, I was pretty devout in my early years as a, and then I said in my early teenage years, I said, oh, this doesn't make sense. You memorize these prayers and you repeat them five times. What a nonsense. It doesn't do anything for me. So I said, just be a good person. But at the time of revolution, I was on streets as a young man. Uh, in 79, and I was uh, uh, on the streets shouting, you know, death to Shah, death to America, and wanted a revolution then. Of course, I've changed my mind about the America. I think God bless America today, and I mean that. Uh, so I, it was about that time I already had admission to University of Southern California for graduate studies. And I got interested in God again. I said, maybe I was too young to decide. So let me do a research. Let me study. If I, I want to dedicate my life to Islam, but I want to be serious and I need to know what I believe. So I got a Quran, even though I knew a lot about it. I studied carefully. It did not satisfy my soul. I said, if God has written other books and I'm open minded, yes, I will read them. I read the Bible and compared it to a Quran. And the more I read and compared, the more I realized both are not the same. And one has to be true. One not and after a few months of just researching then i went to church i heard the simple message of the gospel that changed my my life 
Now, when I, my life was changed, I got excited. I said, wow, this simple message when a, that even a child can understand, it has power. It can change lives. It can heal marriages. It can transform nations. So that's when I started sharing the gospel in Southern California. And gradually people came to Christ and I started planting churches. Mm. So how do you go? I'm always curious, you know, when you a person goes out and whether the, the, uh, a missionary uh, into to a land and plants a church, how, what courage it must take to go out there and do that? But how do you decide where you're going to plant a church? Well, our church planting is not a regular going. I cannot go to Iran, and I, I will be killed if I go to Iran. The government of Iran wants me back to arrest and kill me. Even in Dallas, I live in Dallas, I get uh, life threats even in Dallas from the Iranian government that we will find you and we'll take care of you. So I planted churches in Northern California among Iranian Muslims. Then after September 11, said this is the time to reach out to the Middle East, to Muslims. We cannot just sit here and allow them to attack us on our land. We need to go out there with the love of Christ. So we looked around and then we bought one hour of satellite broadcast into the Middle East. You know, with satellite, the signal comes from the sky. The government cannot stop it. And you go to the privacy of people's homes and you tell them about the love of Christ. So we started with one hour a week and gradually increased it to 24-7, we do 24-7 satellite video broadcast over the heads of the mullahs into people's homes. And through that, we planted underground churches. That is amazing. <laughs> that is amazing how you're doing this. Go go ahead, Don. No, uh, well, I guess my the next question is, uh, uh, the young people growing up to the, today in Iran and other Muslim countries, particularly the women, how could they um, accept this, the, the, in effect, the subservient role of that, that the Islam assigns them uh, in today's modern world, given all this communication? And uh, uh, do, uh, uh, do you feel that part, part of your success is the fact that you, you, you are, uh, uh, in effect, uh, talking to fertile minds who who are really looking for a different way out of Islam? Definitely, yes. The Lord has used the Islamic government. Uh, they came in power after, at 79 and they've been ruling the country. Iran is the only nation led by clergy and that for 40 years. They did implement Islam exactly and precisely. Islam is very oppressive, enslaving of people. They, uh, Islam tells you how to dress, how to act, what to say, even it has laws for your bedroom, and I'm sorry, for your bathroom also. So uh, after 40 years of Iranians following Islam, experiencing the true Islam being implemented, they have come to a conclusion that Islam is not our solution is not actually it's our problem it's a source of our problem and we need to get rid of it so because of that 40 years of suffering the people of iran have turned away from islam and they're looking 
for in other places. Well, um, I re remember uh, in some of my dealings with uh, Iranians before the revolution and afterwards that uh, Iran uh, particularly Iranian women were amazingly uh, Western orient uh, oriented. And um, I can't, I, I've not understood how they could accept 40 years of this, of Islamic uh, rule and not at some point rebel um, and and take their men with them. Do you think that's um, the recent riots are, are um, uh, a, a, uh, 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 what should I say, an omen of what's going to happen in the future? Yeah, well, women are the, at the forefront of this revolution happening in Iran. It was ignited, it was led by women, and they have a major part in it. And the oppression in Iran was for everyone, but more for women. You know, women, according to Islam, they have no rights. And it's written in the laws. They are more oppressed, there are more injustice done to them uh, than men. Um, they are considered in Islam, women are considered the possession of a man. You read that in Quranic verses, how it treats women and how it talks about uh, women. That's why you, uh, in war, Muhammad uh, in war captured, when when uh, it had uh, victory over the enemy, it captured their cows uh, and it captured the camels and it captured their wives because it's like a possession. It's now, it's mine. So, uh, you know, our Jesus loves those who are oppressed, he says, I've come to set the oppressed free, Luke 4, 18. So in an Islamic nation like Iran, women are more oppressed. There's more injustice yes. done to women than men. And it's not surprising that Jesus has a special love and grace for them. And it's not surprising that they, they will be the first segment of the society standing up against Islam and say, we don't want it. So this revolution was ignited and led by women, but now everyone is has joined them. Well, um, I, my understanding is that uh, the, uh, there, I think, five people condemned to death um, in Iran for, for their participation in the riots. And my understanding is that three of, three of them are women, and that's the reason that the Iranian government hasn't announced their names. Do you know anything about that? And is that uh, to, do you do? Do you think that's going to uh, again inflame the uh, the country? Well, this uh, uh, latest I don't call riots protests started in September when that woman was killed, and many many people are being killed on the streets. The strategy of the government is to bring fear to the hearts of people and. Send them back home. Don't come on the streets. We're going to arrest you. We're going to kill you. We're going to shoot, shoot you on the streets. And many people have been killed on the streets, and still they're coming up. Now, they arrested over 15,000 uh, people. They're in jail. And they said, the Iranian parliament said, let's kill all 15,000. But when that news came around the world, everyone protested, and they kind of backed off. And they said, okay, we won't do that. Uh, now we want to bring those or some of them to justice in their mind and kill them. So these recent killing the five, it's just uh, to show the rest of the people 
we are serious. If we arrest you, we kill you. So go back home. The whole purpose of the government put fear in the hearts of people. Send them back home. Don't come on streets. They are at the verge of uh, defeat. The Iranian government is on its way down. And if this, this protest, this revolution continues, sooner or later you will see the change of the government, maybe even to, in 2023. But uh, uh, it seems to me that uh, Christ and the gospel give, give people an inner strength to do some of this. Is that part of what, what you're, you're trying to say? Well, it's an amazing time in Iran. There is a, a revolution, I will call it political revolution, alongside a spiritual revival, both at the same time. People want change, and but all they can do, even if they unite, even if they give their lives, they will be able to change the government, the political change. But who is going to change their lives? They are not able to change their own personal lives, but there is a spiritual revival alongside the political revolution. God is working in Iran, bringing people to himself. Did you know Iran has the fastest growing evangelical population in the world? Number one, in terms of rate of growth, did you know a recent survey has shown that Iran is no longer an Islamic nation. I, I used to say, make that statement. People call me, oh, you're crazy. You're saying Iran is not an Islamic nation? Just Google it. It's 98% Muslim. I used to say that. Now I have proof. There was two university professors in Europe took survey, asked 50,000 Iranians, what do you believe? Can you believe it? Less than one third said we believe in Islam. Two-thirds, one, another one-third said, we don't believe in God or God is in, irrelevant to our lives. And the, la the last one-third, they're looking for God all places, all over, except Islam. They're looking at Eastern religion, they're looking at New Age, and of course, they're looking at Christianity. That's why we say we see such a high rate of uh, Christian growth in Iran, because people have rejected Islam and they are looking for God. But what, what particular message that, that you offer that resonates with people? Very good question. You know, in Romans, we, we read that God, for some people, God has written his word on their hearts. And that is Iran. When, when I ask, let me share this story with you. I ask sometimes Iranian Muslims, what do you believe in God? And this is what I get from them. These are Muslims by name, of course. Oh, yeah, we don't believe in uh, the God of Islam. We don't believe in what these mullahs tell us about God. We don't believe God is so violent and so cruel. Uh, I said, okay, tell me what you believe. I, I have my own beliefs. I, have, I believe in my own God. Okay, describe it to me. And this is how they describe it. I believe if there is God, it's a God who loves us and asks us to love one another. If there is God, God who forgives us and wants us to forgive one another. I mean, without knowing, they describe the God of the Bible. That's why when I share the gospel on satellite television, you know, they call me Billy Graham of Iran. Of course, I don't call myself 
uh, that, but uh, Joel Rosenberg and Charisma Magazine have, have done that. But when I share a simple message of the gospel about God's love, that resonates with what is on their heart already. So they say, oh, yeah, yeah, this is what I believe God is. The message of the gospel is so attractive to them. The love of Christ, what God did for us through Christ is attractive. Why? Because it's already written on their hearts. Well, if IQ was here today, one question he would he would be saying to you, Islam preaches that uh, uh, there, only Islam offers a, a road to God. And that um, uh, if you're, you're a Muslim, you must uh, hate and uh, strive to overcome other people. You're saying just the opposite. Forgive and be part with other people. You know, that's a, that's a pretty dichotomous uh, uh, argument. Now, the, the question is, well, uh, how do people uh, shake off a lifetime of Islam to go towards um, uh, the light of Christianity? Well, by experience, they say we know what Islam is. We have experienced it personally and in our nation for 40 years, we know what it is and we don't want it. So it's not just a nice talk that, you know, westernized uh, Islam, it's uh, politically correct Islam in the West. Oh, Islam is a religion of peace and love and joy. And my question is, uh, how come the nations that follow Islam are not like that? Well, how, how come they kill their own people and how they're cruel they are? So. The answer is the people of Iran have experienced true Islam and they say we don't want it. They have experienced the, the cruelty, the cruelty, the hatred, the violence of Islam. For so many years, they're done. They're sick and tired of it. So it, it, they are against Islam, not because of an intellectual uh, debate that they came to that conclusion. They came to the conclusion firsthand because they lived it for 40 years. Hmm. Um, again, um, I, I'm trying to remember all of IQ's. Uh, uh, <laughs> he scares me to death sometimes with the uh, uh, with the the power of Islam and what it's been doing in Europe and here in the United States. But but I guess um, in your efforts. How do you how do you communicate uh, if someone uh, hears your message and says I I want to be part of your community? How do you get, get them? How do you communicate with them besides the satellite? Of course, we have uh, I planted churches in California, so I have done a lot of face-to-face uh, -face evangelism and pastoring and teaching, and we have we are on social media. We, you know, satellite is a one-way communication. On social media, people come back in rooms, and so we have a two-way relationship with them. And, and they can ask questions. We pray for them. We share the gospel with them. We love them, and we help them. And so it, it's a two-way communication there. Well, what do you do in Iran with the Iranian, with your Iranian converts? Do you have... When you, if you get a, someone from Iran says, I want to learn more, what, oh, could, yeah. <laughs> what can you do? Well, that's a part of our ministry. You know, we go, uh, 
we go on satellite, people contact you. They say, I want, I want this Jesus, or I have questions, or pray for me. So ministering to people comes with the broadcast. And when they come to Christ, they ask, now, send me a Bible. And then we send them a Bible. They say, now teach us. So we have a school. There is a school we have, we call 412 school. It's based on Ephesians 412 and uh, equipping the saints for the work of the ministry. So we have classes, we have online groups, we have uh, underground groups to train them, to disciple them, to uh, prepare them for leadership. So we have to go all the way. We just can broadcast and be done with it. There are others. Jesus wants us to disciple people, not just to co make converts. Awesome. I have a lot more questions. Um, uh, do you want to jump in, uh, uh, well, Jiggy, or the, do you want me to continue? You have got... Uh, Quite, uh, quite a deal here, my friend. What, what has been some some feedback you've gotten from folks? Folks in Iran or in yeah, Europe? the folks in Iran, Europe, United States, wherever. What, 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 what are they? What are they? What are they telling you? The people of Iran, they say, "We love you. We love your message. We have the largest ground church in Iran. Uh, we have a." live church broadcast and uh, that's the only church for many Muslims two to three million uh, Muslim background believers in Iran so we, we get great feedback because uh, they are hungry for the word of God they're hungry for peace and joy believing in Jesus is not just the change of religion Jesus changes your life he didn't come to change our religion he came to change our hearts and our life. And so people who come to Christ, they're transformed in such a way that the whole family usually comes to Christ. Uh, so people of Iran are grateful. Even Muslims. I get a lot of feedback from Muslims who are watching us. We love what you say because I present the gospel not in a harsh way, not to, but in a gentle, loving way. You know, one thing they say, oh, Pastor Ormus, we love your smile. I do it with a smile. I love those people, and they feel that. You know, on satellite television or in television, you you can know somebody loves you for real or just faking it. And people of Iran know we truly love them, and that touches touches their lives. So we get a lot of positive. Now, outside Iran, I that's my job, and I'm 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 thankful to you to allow me to share with your audience what God is doing. Many people in America, outside Iran, do not know what God is doing in Iran. There is a history in the making in Iran. Most people do not know Iran is the first Islamic nation that's turning to Christ. You know, I, I make this outrageous statement. I say, Iran will be a Christian nation. And people say, are you crazy? How could that be? Where did you get that idea? And I say, well, I stole that idea. Who did you steal it from? I steal it from the Lord in Jeremiah 49, 38. That's where it's written. I will set my throne in Elam, which is totally inside the land of Iran. So we know God has promised us that he will set his throne in Iran. Iran will be a Christian nation and will bless the Middle East and it will bless the whole world. Mark my word, 
No, don't mark my word. Mark <laughs> God's word in Jeremiah 49. Don, sure go, hope, go ahead, uh, my friend. I sure hope you're right because it'll solve a lot of problems in this world. But well, uh, but uh, um, but how do how do the Iranian authorities allow your church to 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 exist within that totalitarian state? They uh, don't. They don't. They consider me an enemy of state. Of course, they cannot stop the satellite signal. It comes from the sky. People lock the door and they watch us in the privacy of their homes. But they are very alarmed about the underground churches. We have had people who are arrested and put in jail for 10 years just because they attended the house church. So there is a battle there and they do not want Christians to gather. So there is, there is a animosity. The, the government does not want us to do this. I get life threats. And uh, they say, we'll, we know you're in Dallas. We'll find you and take care of you. So, no, they're not happy, but they cannot stop the gospel. Nothing and nobody can stop the gospel. Hmm. Hmm. You know, I always admire people like yourself that could go out into the wilderness and create something out of nothing. And, and it certainly seems as if you... Uh, You've touched a uh, you've touched a nerve someplace, which is uh, uh, something we all we all need. Oh. Amen, amen. I'm glad you mentioned that. You know, the persecuted church they need us. They need our prayer. They need our support. They need our teachings, but we need them also. The dedication they have to the Lord is amazing. You know, they could. Uh, give their lives for Christ. They could die, but they don't care. They know who they have found. They, they value their salvation. You know, when you come from darkness to light, you value the light. These people have come from darkness of Islam, the bondage in Islam, to freedom in Christ, and they value that. There are many of them are saying, we want to live for Christ, and if necessary, we are ready to die for Christ. We can learn from that. We in the West... I'm not blaming us. We are in a good country. We are free. We are comfortable. It's so easy to become lukewarm and comfortable in the West. What we can learn from the, our persecuted brothers and sisters in Christ, in the Middle East, especially Iran, be sold out to Jesus. Value your salvation. Be dedicated to him because he's worth it. So that's the message. They give us the... Their, 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 uh, the passion they have for Jesus. We need their passion. Couldn't argue with you there. But I, I, I guess my other question is, um, the, uh, amongst the Muslims, it's almost going back to the same question, I would seem that, that women would be a much more fertile field, uh, more readily turned to, towards Christ than men simply because of, of their situation within the Islamic community. Is that happening or? Uh... Yes. Yes, women, uh, there is a special grace on Muslim women, women and Iranian Muslim women. There is a special touch of Christ. They are at the forefront of change. They have less fear than men. And in our ministry, you know, some ministries, they kind of limit women. Uh, of course, we want to stay in the biblical boundaries, but we train women who are called for leadership. 
And more than 50% of our leaders right now are women. They are dedicated, they're humble, they're teachable, they value their freedom in Christ more, and they're ready to serve the Lord with all they got. So yes, women in Iran uh, are at the forefront, not just for the political change, but for the church growth, for the advancement of his kingdom. The women are active and they are working hard. Um, uh, I could go on, Jay. Do you want? want no, to you're good. Keep keep going. We 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 we've we've got a couple more moments with uh well, with our guest well, before we've got to let him go for today. But but go well, ahead. How do people support you? Oh, do you have a website? Do you have how do uh, how can people learn more? Uh, thank you for asking. You know, we broadcast into Iran that Iranians, our our viewers, cannot support us. First, they're poor, but even if they want to, they cannot. They can't. They cannot send money to U.S. They get what, arrested. What about so, our audience? How can yeah, they support I, you? So that's that's why I'm so thankful. That's why I say I pray God bless America. My brothers and sisters, like your audience, they are the ones who say we need to reach out to the Middle East. We need to reach out to Muslim. They have hearts like God's heart. They say they have a heart for the lost. They have a heart for lost Muslims. So uh, almost all our support come from uh, believers in the West who want to see uh, Iran and the Middle East change. And they can go to our website. That's iranalive.org, iranalive.org. Sign up for our newsletter. You will get many good stories to encourage you every month. And if the Lord leads you to be a part of uh, making history in Iran, go and donate. Let's work together to transform Iran. This is a historical time, Don. This is a his historical time. If we don't move, this opportunity will come and go. Iran is so open to the gospel. We can make history in Iran today, and we have to work together. So I encourage the, your listeners who want to be history makers, who want to uh, so in a fertile ground where you see a great result, a great ROI, please pray and then join us. Let's work together to make a difference in Iran and the Middle East. My only regret is IQ is not with us. I he know. I wish I, 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 I wish we had IQ because uh, I, 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 I think this would be a uh, tremendous chat. But uh, yes. We will we will definitely uh, have you back, my friend, and we will be able to have IQ join us then. Um, thanks. Smiling. Look at that hair. Yeah, I wish I had <laughs> smiling that hair. I love it. <laughs> well, uh, that is that. We are uh, going to say uh, we're going to take a break, and when we come back, we have got more coming up. But uh, thank you, my friend. Thank you, doctor. This has been fun. Appreciate yeah, it. Thank you, Don. Thank you, Jiggy. I appreciate you both. Appreciate it. We're going to take a brief time out here, about 30 seconds or so, and uh, then we are going to get our next guest in here. And uh, Skype was uh, getting ready to lock up on me, so I wanted to get the hell out of there before that happened. Okay. We are going to go to our 
guest who is going to join us live here on our big, big program. And we are going to bring in Don Mazzella as well and get him in here. And uh, this is going to be a very interesting discussion. Um, This book that Harry has here is absolutely amazing. And we are going to go to our guest. He joins us live here on a broadcast. Harry, I know I'm going to butcher your last name. So I'm going to let you do your own introduction here. And then we will talk about your book, The Future You. So how do we get in touch with you online and everything else? Uh, very, very easy. So um, it's www.glorikian.com is my website. Um, or they can find uh, my book on uh, Amazon, The Future You, and then just type in my last name. Fantastic. Fantastic. So we have got a great guest with us today. He joins us live here on our big broadcast. The book is called The Future You, How Artificial Intelligence Can Help You Get Healthier, Stress Less, and Live Longer. So Harry, uh, tell me and Don a little bit about your book here. So the book was uh, put together specifically so that people could understand how technology and technologies like artificial intelligence and machine learning can make a significant difference in their health and wellness by getting them the information they need on a regular basis uh, so that they could help manage themselves better. And sort of if you're healthy, stay healthy. And if you have a chronic condition, manage it better so that it doesn't get any, you know, so that you can, you know, stave it off or, or maybe keep it from getting worse. Well, um, I'll, I'll jump in there in yes. Harry, and ask you a real quick question, which is, uh, um, uh, if you have an um, uh, illness, like I'm a diabetic and I have to watch, uh, watch my diet, make sure I take the pills, how, how is uh, artificial intelligence going to uh, um, going to improve what I'm doing? So, you know, the first thing I would say that, you know, the CGM technology or the continuous glucose monitoring that you can wear makes it very easy to just, you know, wave your, your phone over the patch that you're wearing uh, and determine your immediate glucose levels. Um, but when you apply AI and machine learning to the app, it can tell you what the spikes will look like after two weeks of learning so that you can actually put the food in before you eat it and see what's going to happen to your blood sugar before you have that food so that you can manage the foods that you're eating better and even if you like a food and it's spike, you know, you know, it's going to spike you, the, the AI system will give you alternative foods that you might be able to replace that food that you liked that might not have such a, you know, dramatic effect on your blood sugar. So it's just taking the data that you're getting from the CGM and rising it to a different level to make it more actionable for that individual to manage themselves better. Well, well, I, I, I want to hear more. But uh, isn't it, um, no, matter, um, no matter what you have in terms of support, if, if the individual doesn't want to do it, um, no, nothing 
is going to make him or her do it. No, I totally, absolutely agree with that. And you know, what what you're what you're what I'm hoping for is those are the people that are way out on the edges. <laughs> but I think the majority of people do don't like being sick, don't like getting sick, would like to be happy, healthy, be in a good mood, and you know that may require just educating, right? I mean, some people make bad food choices because they just don't know any better. But once you show yes. them, they sort of stick on the, you know, move to the good side and stay on that <laughs> side if they can. Uh, so I've always believed that when you share data with people that then they, it's the, you're empowering them to make that choice. Whereas when they don't have the data, you know, stuff happens. Yes. Well, I, I always equate it to, to um, uh, racing addicts. They, uh, no matter what, they could have all the data in the world, but they're still going to make the same mistakes um, time after time. But um, uh, 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 I just, I just like you to uh, kind of go on and tell us more, because I, I agree with your premise. It's just that. Uh, um, uh, uh, I just uh, feel uh, humans uh, fail themselves more times than they succeed with themselves. So I can tell you about a big study that was done at Geisinger Medical Systems down in Western Pennsylvania, where they did a study on 35,000 type 2 diabetics. And they basically had a monitoring system that would alert the nurses when people started to fall out of the right ranges. And the nurses would call those individuals and coach them along. So it wasn't like an app in real time or anything like that, but just a coaching session. What they saw over a two-year period of time was a decrease in comorbidities. In other words, a decrease in the things that are a result of the diabetes that, that cause that person to have a problem to decrease by 25% across 35,000 people. That was a huge shift over that many people just from this coaching session. And I think they keep doing it and they've implemented it because they're a self-insured system. But now imagine that you're giving that power in the, right in the hands of each person where they don't have to wait for the call, but they're seeing it on a regular basis and can make those changes as needed. Oh, I, I can... Oh. I couldn't agree with you more. Um, uh, I only know it from being a diabetic and from talking with other people. I have a friend in San Francisco who once he put on that that device to monitor his uh, sugar um, uh, became a fanatic about uh, so so fanatic that he carries a little spoon with him to take a little bit of everything rather than the big big portions. But uh, <laughs> I couldn't agree with you more. But could, uh, let's get off diabetes uh, and talk about some other some other things in your book because that's what uh, you're here for. Yeah, I mean, you know, diabetes is one because of the continuous glucose monitor. Sleep is another one, right? So um, I know that when I when I don't get a good night's sleep, I'm I'm lethargic, unhappy, not in a great mood, um, right? Whereas these devices sort of give you some insight on how did you sleep? 
Um, you know, and I know that if I have that drink late at night or especially a glass of wine because of the high sugar level, oh my God, it, it wreaks havoc. So it keeps me informed on what I can and can't do or should and shouldn't do. So I then have a choice. Um, I can have that cocktail early in the evening. So by the time I get to bed, it's sort of gotten out of my system or I can understand how certain meals eating late in the day or being dehydrated before I go to bed. So over the years, what I've been able to do is sort of test different ideas and see what affects my sleep the most and then be able to manage it so that I get the most sleep or the best sleep so that the next day I have the best performance. And we all know that, you know, sleep is a perfect time for the body to repair itself. So if you get better sleep, the chances of you being healthier is a much higher uh, probability. What about people who take five or six different combinations of drugs to go get up, get down, get a, get a, a can can um, is there anything in, in in what you're saying that can help them? Well, I mean, uh, not exactly what you're referring to. Like, I, I, I know people that like to take something in the morning to wake up and then something at night to go to sleep, which you, you and I both know is incredibly unhealthy. Um, the, you know, these technologies will help you figure out what naturally sort of gets you going in one way or the other. Maybe a supplement can sort of help, you know, in one way or the other. Um, I'll take magnesium because, you know, sort of keeps my muscles loose. Um, I sleep better when I take a, a low dose magnesium um, supplement. Um, but, you know, where it comes to drugs, I would say then you're talking about data like precision medicine, where by looking at your genome, we can understand what drugs may work better for you and what drugs may really be bad for you to take. Um, based on your genomic sequence. And then if you have cancer, by doing a genomic sequencing of your cancer tumor, uh, we can actually identify drugs that would be more successful in beating the cancer than just by, you know, an educated guess. Well, the people, uh, it seems, again, um, I, I view what you, what you're saying, and, and perhaps I'm wrong on this, is that you're, you're giving a powerful tool to people, but, uh, but you have to have some program to get them to use it and to to, to re rely on it to make sometimes major changes in their lives. How do you do it? So a lot of these products um, or technologies will use different formats with different people. It could be rewards. It could be gamifying the technology. Um, I do believe that when people are truly chronically ill, they may not need all that because they don't like being chronically ill. But um, there are a lot of these technologies where we're testing out different ways to help people get motivated and stay motivated to stay on track. Um, and then hopefully when they're feeling really, you know, optimal, they, that is a self-fulfilling prophecy as time goes on. Can you give us one example of one of these programs that you're, you're talking about? So, um, 
you know, there are some of them that will, like I said, that will give you points um, or that you could uh, on some of the exercise programs where you can compete against others and they make it more of a game. Uh, and you can share your data with your friends, which will hopefully encourage you to stay on track. Um, there are others that in the background, you know, just like social media does, it will sort of, uh, you know, remind you at different times of the day uh, to sort of just nudge you along as opposed to be a pain in the backside. Um, so there are different techniques that are used in these different products. Um, you know, one of them, I can tell you, this is a product that has been FDA cleared uh, for children who have ADHD. And uh, you play a video game. And by playing the video game about an hour a day, your ADHD comes into more and more control. And it is equivalent to uh, taking Adderall or Ritalin in its results without any of the side effects. Well, let's go to the other side of the, of the coin. What about uh, uh, um, uh, uh, elderly people? Uh, what kind of programs do you see uh, helping elderly people in the sunset of their lives? So on the elderly side, I see a lot of uh, what's called remote patient monitoring technologies. So the physician would sign up with one of these uh, companies. Uh, they would scan the physician's electronic medical record and then send the patient a box of devices that they would then be able to, <clears throat> let's say it's a cardiac condition and you have a blood pressure cuff and a weight scale and uh, you know, a portable ECG. Uh, all of these are very tiny, smaller devices and every time that the patient takes a measurement, it automatically updates the physician's records. Uh, so if the person falls out of line or something goes wrong or, or is headed in the wrong direction, the physician system will automatically flag it so that if the physician themselves or the nurse can directly call that patient and help them stay in line. So instead of waiting for that one time you go see the doctor, and everything is off because you haven't seen them for a year. It's monitoring that patient on a regular basis and helping them stay in line so that they stay healthy longer. Well, you know, uh, I, I have an iPhone, and the only thing I use it for is to, to, uh, to call people. But... Uh, <laughs> That's that's a reverse, Don. Good Lord. I know lots of people who use it for everything but calling people. Well, what can I say? But um, <laughs> um, yet I can see, I saw a four-year-old girl playing a, a, a very complicated game that I couldn't even understand, begin to understand. Um. It, it, are we changing um, our outlooks to the, uh, in this world? Are we becoming more technically ori oriented uh, rather than uh, mechanically oriented? And if so, is, is that all to the good? Well, I think what's happening is, uh, in some ways, I think we're becoming more 
technologically savvy. But then now I think we're starting to figure out how to get technology to blend into the background so that you may not need to, you know, be as technology savvy, but technology will be able to still provide that service. I mean, the best technologies are the ones where you, they just work and you, you don't have to futz with them, right? And we're at the point now where, you know, we're writing software that, you know, I can do it and I'm not a programmer. Um, or where technology is working in the background and doing certain functions and it's just happening. Um, take, for instance, the Apple Watch fall um, alert. So, you know, a gentleman is off-road biking, falls, hits his head. Uh, the watch identifies the fall, uh, figures out the gentleman's not moving, automatically calls 911. And then the second phone call it makes is to his son. Mm. And so the watch just does it automatically. No person needs to be involved. It sounds wonderful, but to me, uh, I just worry that we've become too dependent on technology and not uh, not enough dependent uh, on um, our ability to get things done. Uh, that and, may uh, be true. That may be true. I I do have that issue with my kids every once in a while. But when you're talking about when you drive your car, you got a dashboard with all the information in front of you, right? It tells you how that machine that you're driving is working, if it's out of gas, if the oil is low, if it's overheating. I don't know, maybe it you know signals that something needs to be changed because the part's going bad. But you have information about how the machine is running so that you can manage it better. All I'm suggesting is that these technologies give us a view into this machine that we're driving every day so that we can help manage that machine better and keep it in optimal condition. Um, I understand that and uh, I appreciate it. I'm just grateful that that a whole the next generations are going to deal with it. I don't have to, but uh, what's the name of your book and how did you come to write it? So this is my third book. The name of the book is called The Future You. Um, and um, I was, I'd written my other books for people in the uh, actual professional field, practicing and, and uh, building these technologies. And I thought it was time, the technology had evolved to the point where the average person can now really get super benefit out of it. And I'll tell you why. Uh, my Apple Watch at one point buzzed me and said, um, Mr. Glorikian, have you ever been diagnosed with sleep apnea? And I said, yes. And it said, are you being treated for sleep apnea? And I said, yes. And it said, thank you for contributing to, my, to our research. And what it had been doing is there's an app on my phone called Cardiogram, which was monitoring my heart. And it was basically saying, hey, we noticed a signal in your heartbeat, probably when I'm sleeping, that shows that you might have sleep apnea. So if I wasn't diagnosed and I wasn't being treated for it, I'm sure what it would say is, you may want to go have this checked out. Hmm. And so that's one of those silent diseases that most people don't know they have. Um, but if you have sleep apnea for too long and don't treat it, you start 
falling apart in ways that I really don't want to fall apart in if I can avoid it. But um, I, I, I guess, I guess my, my, ne- my next point uh, on it, I, I had a great thought, but it, it slipped out of my mind. But in this wor- world today, w- um, we're, we've gotten to the point where we depend on this t- almost too much. Um, uh, for instance, uh, Mike, yesterday we were driving uh, someplace, and then my car suddenly said, you needed oil. You know, it said your 5,000 miles were up. You needed a new oil change. You know, um, when I was growing up, it was one of the things that you uh, you learned to watch for and that you became more involved in how the car operated. Now, today, you don't worry about a car, how a car operates because it tells you when it needs something. But and the, But how many people can now change oil when we were younger? Oh. I totally agree. I used to work on cars when I was younger. I, you know, I remember buying my first car for like a thousand dollars, and you had to work on it because otherwise it wasn't going to stay running, right? And now, if I open the, you know, the hood to my car, you know, if I don't have the little computer to change the chip, like nothing's going to happen, right? But you know, this is how you know we're evolving, um, and I think you know, and if you look at Maslow's hierarchy, right, we're at Many people are towards the top of Maslow's hierarchy, which gives them time to think about these things and and spend time in different ways rather than, you know, having to fix something per se. But um, I could, you know, it's a philosophical debate that I'm not sure we'll ever get to the bottom of. But uh, whether we like it or not, I would tell you that the other reason I wrote the book is technology is moving so fast right now. Um, that people need to be aware of these things so that they can understand how to incorporate them into their lives and where the changes are coming next. Um, I think the next five years are going to show some unbelievable changes in healthcare and in other places that are really going to change the human condition for the better, uh, where people will be able to have much more control over their health and wellness uh, and be able to monitor it, not just for themselves, but for their loved ones. I couldn't agree with you more on that score, but if you saw today's Wall Street Journal, have you ever tried to call a company? Then the companies no longer answer the phone. There's some uh, uh, AI answering the phone for you, and it takes you a half hour to get through to somebody that could actually (laughs) do something. Um, uh, so I don't know if you've had a chance to play with um, the new chat GPT program that uh, OpenAI has put out there. Um, you know, there's a lot of things written about it lately, but, you know, I've been playing with it. And for a lot of questions that I put in there, the answers are 100% spot on. I'm not trying to spoof it. I'm just asking it, you know, straightforward questions, but its ability to talk back to me uh, in a natural way is amazing. I was playing with another robot recently that's made for autistic children. And when I first played with it, it had a hundred million 
parameters of language. The latest one has a billion parameters of language. Um, I can tell you, it can talk to me about just about anything, and it it's not that far off from sounding just like a human being. So if you give it one or two more years, I think you will not be able to tell the difference between the machine and a person. And by the way, the machine, I think, will do a much better job answering the question efficiently than the human will. Except if it's resolving an issue. Like, for instance, uh, I, uh, uh, during the week, I get my Wall Street Journal every uh, delivered perfectly. But uh, since I moved here the last seven weeks, on Saturday, it hasn't delivered the paper. And do you, do you know what it's taken? It's, they still haven't been able to deliver the paper. But if you deal with an uh, AI, as I, I have for the first four weeks, you know, they said, we, we will look into the matter. We have escalated, and we're going to give you a credit of one, of one day. That, oh, I want the paper. I don't want the credit. <laughs> but, you know, uh, totally understand. Totally understand. And, uh, you know, I don't like, I mean, I've had to deal with something where their back office is in China. And I'm like, okay. Oh, forget it. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> you know, but, but, you know, I think those are individual company decisions also on which services they pick and how cheap or chintzy they want to be on it. Um, I don't think it's necessarily all technology's fault. Uh, management decisions have a big role to play in that. Um, but I do see such a big shift in, you know, e even if you just go back five years, you wanted to take your blood pressure. You had to go to the your doctor's office. And it was a nice lady usually, right? Stuck your arm out, put the stethoscope on there, poop, 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 pushed it until it was squeezing the hell out of your arm and you get a reading right now I put the cuff on push a button automatically inflates takes my blood pressure actually we'll take it three times if i want to make sure it takes a nice average and then sends the information to my phone and then if i want an ai can look at the blood pressure trace and the information and say everything looks good and then i can share it with my doctor i don't have to go anywhere i'm in the comfort of my own home Yes. Well, so as instead of it, yes, instead of go, waiting go to go to the doctor and have high blood pressure, I can see it going up, and I can do something about it before it gets too bad. Well, as we wrap up here, uh, let's start with uh, Don Mazella. Don, bring us up to speed on your book and 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 everything that's going on. Well, let's start with the National Robotics Education Foundation, the hyphen NREF.org. You know that's close to my heart. Uh, 2SB Digest and hashtag 2SB Digest. And my publishers decided to publish all three volumes simultaneously. So we're, we're, we're going to uh, uh, go a little further uh, into the new year, but it's going to come out. And uh, uh, I'm excited, but I can't figure out how I'm going to promote it. But uh, <laughs> outside of talking to you. Uh, well, uh, Harry, uh, before we let you go, how do we get your book? And wrap us up here, my friend. How do we get in touch with you? 
book is straightforward. You can go to Amazon and type in the future you and then my last name, G-L-O-R-I-K-I-A-N. Uh, and it should come up right at the top. Uh, and if you want to read more of my readings or listen to my podcast where I talk about a lot of this stuff, you can go to www.glorikian.com and you'll see everything is there. Hmm. And Harry, I am, I am going to buy your book. Thank you, Don. Appreciate it. But you've got a book on robotics, I hear? I'm sorry? You've got a book on robotics. Is that what I... No, I have. Uh, I'm on the board of the National Robotics Education Foundation. I, I've written a trilogy on uh, a historical fiction trilogy based on a, a real a, a real uh, participant in World War Two. Uh, Interesting. Love the robotics to, thing, though. I'd lo love to talk to you about it. I love talking about it. Well, uh, well, gentlemen, thanks for doing this. And, Don, I will talk to you uh, next Thursday. And, Harry, I will talk to you soon. Thank you, sir. Thank you very much for having me. Appreciate it. There they go. Have a great evening. And Bye -bye. Uh, that is that. And we are going to see you next time. Peace and chicken grease on Twitch. Thanks for finding us on Odyssey and, of course, CheekyJaguar.com. And uh, lots of things happening. And we are out of time. So we will see you next time. Christmas music.